Welcome to this edition of Talking HR with Lori and Lisa, where as always, our goal is to give you a look at today's HR world through the sharing of experiences, knowledge, and inspiring people practices. I'm your host, Lisa Fuller. And I'm Lisa's co-host, Lori Rolkoff. You know, Lisa and I have had the pleasure of introducing you, our audience, to many people that we've known over the years or have met through our careers, and uh, today is no exception. We have a great guest and topic for you. Um, welcome to Sasha Chomis, President of Culture of Service and Leadership with Dynamic Achievement. Uh, it's a consulting firm based in BC, specializing in leadership development. And Sasha and I crossed paths many years ago, and we were talking earlier, I think it was 16 years ago, through the CPHR BC Mentoring Program, when I was assigned to be her mentor, but only because I'm older than she is because even then I was impressed by her credentials and experience. Sasha has consulted and coached in a variety of public and private sector industries, everything from automotive to engineering, to banking, to healthcare and to tourism. Uh, Her areas of expertise include leadership and team development, optimizing peak performance, creating agile and resilient organizational cultures and customer service excellence. And Sasha has a master's degree in leadership from Royal Roads University and is a certified professional coach with advanced certification from Marshall Goldsmith's Stakeholder-Centered Coaching Process for Executives. Wow, that's a mouthful, Sasha. (laughs) It is. I'm impressed you read it all. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You know, you're doing such exciting work in your role at Dynamic Achievement around cultures of excellence. Can you tell us how you got started with the company and what drew you to working with them? Yeah, for sure. It's it's one of these odd stories where, I mean, it's a Vancouver-based business, but somehow I had to go to Ontario to find that out. Um, And at the time, I was doing a lot of work um, in leadership and, and culture development, But I was doing that work uh, predominantly in automotive at the time. I was doing quite a significant contract with Ford Motor Company that had me working, um, doing leadership development with dealers across the country. And uh, even though I I was Vancouver-based, I was almost never in Vancouver. Um, And then fast forward to about 2013, 2014, and one of my automotive clients actually offered me a role in an automotive group that they were building as they were acquiring a number of of dealerships and starting to scale and offered me a position as the first executive as a vice president of of culture. Um, So I accepted the rule because it seemed like an incredible opportunity and and ended up moving my family to Ontario. And within the first year there was contacted by a a friend out back out in, in the West said, hey, have you heard of this company Dynamic Achievement? And I remember looking at their website and thinking, wow, like this company is amazing. Like they're, it was so in alignment with everything that I had been doing um, and, and then some. And I remember thinking, why did I not know about that when I was out in Vancouver? <laughs> and, and fast forward to, I ended up having a conversation, you know, with, with the owner of Dynamic Achievement at that time. And it became a conversation of, well, look, if, you know, if you decide to go back into the consulting world, if you end up, you know, back out in Vancouver, or even if you wanted to build business in Ontario, you know, let's have a conversation. Um, so needless to say, I guess you know how this story ends. We had a lot more conversations <laughs> um, and it did end up leaving Ontario, coming back out West, 
because uh, personally for my husband and I, it was just really where we wanted to be. And I started consulting with Dynamic Achievement probably in around 2016 and worked as, as many years as a consultant as part of the team. And then in 2019, uh, was invited and asked to become a partner in the business. So I am now co-president uh, with my business partner, Aiden Sharir, and uh, we just get to create a lot of magic together, which has been amazing. That sounds super exciting, Sasha. <laughs> I, I want to learn so much more, and I'm I'm really excited for our conversation. Can you share with uh, with our audience what you mean by culture of excellence? Mm -hmm. And do you feel this definition has changed over time? Yeah, it's um yeah, it's true because like it like anything in the English language, words carry so much meaning. So when we talk about cultures of excellence. Yes, it means I think what a lot of people might typically think, which is it's high performing, uh, it gets outstanding results, but it's also much deeper than that because the, the work that we do, we're not really interested in organizations who are in it for the bottom line or in it just for profit. We're also really, really interested in supporting cultures that are about purpose and meaning and how do we thrive? And so there's this, this really intricate dance and balance between getting great results, but doing that because we have a very clear purpose and what we're all about. And that purpose includes how we care for and elevate the people within that company so that, so that we're creating that kind of high performance across the organization, not just for the sake of performance, but also because it's the right thing to do for all the human beings in it. So it, it's really about that and about continuing to strive for excellence, which, which we also believe is about doing the best you can with whatever you have available to you in that moment. And so excellence is never static either. It's a continual goal, ambition, target, et cetera, because it's, you know, hopefully my best tomorrow is going to be better than today. And a year from now, it should be even way better than it is today, et cetera. And so we really see that as the continual creation of, of culture and how do we continue to move this forward. So Sasha, I know looking at, um, you know, done, done a little bit of research on your company and they started out as a learning and development consulting firm a number of years mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's still a strong link to, um, that I understand between learning and innovation and the work your firm does through yeah. its work on culture of excellence. Can you help us understand that connection more? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's no question, right? And it did originally begin is learning and development much more, I would say focused predominantly around training programs. And we'll get into some of that in, in a bit when I talk about, you know, how we added mindset into that. Um, so, but the, the learning itself and really how that connects to innovation, I think, you know, one of the myths we tend to have about innovation is that it's these moments of brilliance that, you know, one person has like this incredible insight or, you know, maybe a team does and then poof, this new magical thing appears. But the reality is that's that's not what innovation actually is. Um, and it's not typically how it comes to be because innovation is really, a, a, it's an outcome typically of learning. And it's about the fact that people interacting a lot over time with diverse ideas, diverse ways of thinking, um, you know, diverse knowledge bases, etc. When you put all of that together and you allow kind of what, what we call creative tension to take place, that's where innovation starts to come from. Um, and so 
one of the, the challenges in that, of course, is that in this day and age, it can be really hard to create the time and the space for some of those things to happen because we get too busy just doing the work. But ideally, a culture that's really focused on innovation and being more at the leading edge is a culture that makes sure that people are continually learning, not just in the traditional learning and development sense, like programs, training, coaching, et cetera, but that they're really learning and growing because of all of their interactions with each other. And are they sharing those diverse ideas, ways of thinking, et cetera? And, and are we literally sort of cross-pollinating across the organization as opposed to the more traditional, almost the silos, right? In the departmental, you know, uh, individual ways of thinking or, or siloed ways of thinking that, that really don't help. So I think that from my perspective is where learning really connects to innovation, which really starts to drive that culture. That really intrigues me. And um, I'm curious how, how organizations start establishing a culture that will allow for that innovation to occur, mm -hmm. allow for that cross pollination. You know, I, culture takes years, right, to yep. sort of transform and evolve. And where would your company really be able to guide uh, an organization in that culture, you know, in that journey to that type of culture? Yeah. And I mean, that's been certainly a lot more of our, our re recent focus and, and what we call uh, the co-creation activator, which is some, is some of our latest work. And it's really around that initial establishment with, it starts in, inevitably with, you know, senior leadership teams and executives, but but getting them aligned with, if this is what you want to be creating in your culture, then you have to start creating the conditions for it to occur. Um, and and the, that can sometimes be, you know, an interesting challenge, but it, the, as senior leaders start opening themselves up to that, then it's starting to look for where are the opportunities, whether it's the opportunities we have, the challenges that we might be facing, and how can we be bringing together people from different areas of the company, not just again, like, for example, the sales team, or we bring together, um, you know, the marketing team, or we bring together, you know, the operations team, et cetera. But how do you actually bring different groups together so that they're collectively starting to look at these things together, whether it's through problem solving or, you know, or trying to, you know, you know, create something new, then they're looking for how are these, where are these sweet spots where we can actually make that happen? The learning and development piece that we also use to support that is another way that we bring these groups together in diverse ways. So not just within, for example, like a training program itself, but we also then build them into uh, peer cohort groups. And we create some of those opportunities for people to continue to learn with each other and to be with people from different areas of the company who they wouldn't normally interact with. And so it's some of these pieces that, you know, we both have the client look at that we provide in terms of some of the structure when we work with them so that we're really trying to foster that diversity, um, that different way of thinking. And again, this, this is where some of the magic and the innovation starts to happen. So Sasha, I'd like to shift our focus just a little bit because um, I really want to hear, and I'm sure Lisa does as well, mm -hmm. uh, about um, the work you're doing around mindset. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Again, I did a little bit of reading around mindset, and I hadn't really been exposed much to that concept. Yeah. Um, and from what I could see, it's defined as a way that we look at a problem, think through a problem, and try to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And there was some reference um, I came across of, 
you know, the 1930s children book, The Little Engine That Could. Oh, yes. <laughs> where people have, you know, <laughs> anything can be accomplished with a optimistic attitude and determination and the chain, the trains chugging up the mountain. You know, I think I can. I think I can. Um, so what led your company to focus on mindset? Yeah, um, this this is this is actually the, the key thing that drew me to dynamic achievement back when I said I first looked at their website because I had been doing some of that work with the clients that I was working with. But when I saw what dynamic achievement was up to around that, um, and Aiton Shareer in, in particular, um, who had developed that work originally, it, it really tapped into something that I was struggling with, which was I could go into a leadership workshop, teach leaders a bunch of skills, or I, you know, because I was doing a lot of customer service training and some sales training as well, I could go in and teach sales skills, customer service skills. And there might be a bit of a lift for a day or two, maybe a week, but then fundamentally nothing was changing. And I think most of us have probably seen that experience where people go through training. Oh yeah, that was good. That was great. You know, I want to apply all these things. And then, you know, a week or two later, you see not much has really changed. And that for me was the disconnect of, you know, there's a couple of problems in that. One is that we don't build programs that help people change behaviors sustainably. But the second big aha for me was if people don't have the right mindset in the first place, then nothing about those skills actually matters. And, and so what I mean by that is that because mindset isn't just a way that we view a problem. Mindset is our entire outlook on life. So if I, as a manager, let's just say as, as a quick example, if as a manager, my mindset is, for example, I don't feel completely competent. I might feel in fact, like a little bit inadequate, but of course I don't want people to know that because I'm supposed to be the manager and the person who knows everything. Well, I might make that person, I might help them get some skills say around communicating or giving feedback. But if that manager's mindset is I'm not fully competent, I'm inadequate in some way, shape or form, they're still actually not going to be that skilled because they don't even have the belief of I can figure this out. I can master this skill, et cetera. Um, in a darker way, if you have a, you know, a manager or a leader whose mindset is actually, I'm better than other people. I, you know, I know more, I'm more competent, et cetera. I teach them some skills. That person can actually become a bit dangerous <laughs> where the skills are being used on people instead of with people. And so there's a very big distinction there. And so we do this work around mindset where we distinguish between two key mindsets that drive all of us as human beings. One is what we call the horizontal mindset, which is driven by fear and greed. And we all have it. I mean, again, this is, this is our hardwiring as humans um, and fear and greed are, or attachments are huge drivers for us, especially when we're not paying attention. And that leads to a whole bunch of interesting results as you can well imagine. But the other mindset, which we also all are in possession of, and what we're really trying to focus on is what we call a vertical mindset, which is not about fear and greed. Our vertical mindset is when we are driven by creation and growth and our, our desire to evolve and create as human beings. And that difference in mindset alone leads to very different behaviors, which leads to very different results. And so that's why the, the mindset piece is, is in, in as far as I'm concerned, is the total game changer. Because if you don't have that vertical mindset in the first place, 
then almost nothing that follows in terms of learning and development skills, et cetera, is really going to shift you out of that pattern. And it's not going to get you out of the results you're getting. I, I find that super fascinating, fascinating, Sasha, because, you know, I think one of the challenges, and you mentioned it yourself just now, that is people are hardwired by their mm -hmm. longstanding belief systems, their thought patterns, um, underlying yeah. biases or assumptions. And, you know, look at the world today. It's we're Ugh. surrounded by negativity and it's so yep. hard to stay positive, even for those really optimistic individuals. How does one change or improve their mindset? Mm -hmm. Well, you can take our work. <laughs> That's a key one. Um, no, but I mean, very sincerely. And I mean, you know, there are a number of people that do this work, but it's, um, but the way that, that we do this and, and how it's around changing it is first and foremost, you've got to become aware of what are the mindsets you hold. Um, and we don't ever have just one because we have, you know, different ones that show up in different ways. We've actually, where we've broken down the work is we've actually identified 14 different mindsets that are at play for us all the time. And it's really just a matter of which ones are you spending the most time in? So first it's becoming aware of it. So again, for example, do I tend to spend a lot of time in uh, a victim mindset? where I think all these things are happening to me, right? This pandemic is happening to me, um, you know, or this manager, this policy is happening to me. And the problem with that mindset is all I do then is blame and complain. And I don't take any responsibility for making a change or a choice. Um, you know, so, so if I become aware that, wow, I've actually been spending a lot of time in that mindset. Well, now I have some awareness about the fact that I can start to shift it. And even, you know, in that case, starting to understand, for example, I'm always at choice. No matter what happens to me, I have a choice about how I'm going to respond to it. That in itself already starts to shift something. So, so awareness is key, of course, like it is for, for a lot of things and knowing that. Then it's about, you know, identifying. So if I know where I'm at and certainly what I want to be doing or not thinking more about, then I can start to shift that by, you know, some tangible practices. And, you know, one is certainly uh, any type of mindfulness or meditation practice, which makes us very aware of our thought patterns and where we're at. Um, journaling is also a really powerful way to do that. And more importantly, it's really just about getting into action. Because at the end of the day, we can think our way through anything, but it's action that becomes the real key. And so sometimes it might be, for example, you know, back to if I'm stuck in a victim mindset, and I have been, and I haven't been taking responsibility, but if I decide I want to take more responsibility, so what's one thing I'm going to do to start doing that? Okay, well, now I get into action about it. And it's because the mindset can shift either way, we can start by shifting our thought patterns. But we can also come from the perspective of if I change my behavior, there's also a ripple effect that's inevitably going to start shifting the mindset because as I start taking more responsibility, I now in fact feel more empowered. And so I start operating from the mindset of somebody who's much more empowered, much more optimistic, you know, all of those types of things. So Sasha, from a HR perspective, you know, we have this uh, almost, I'm not going to say contradictory or conflicting situations where, you know, the organizations are promoting inclusion and, um, you know, belonging and equity in the workplace. And at the mm -hmm. same time, we've got hybrid 
uh, work arrangements yeah. where people are isolated and not not within the workplace with everybody anymore and, and problems of that disconnection. Yeah. How can an organization or HR people say, um, use mindset and these concepts you're talking about to help reconnect and achieve those goals of inclusion? Yeah, yeah, it's it's such an interesting time, right? <laughs> the irony of you know with all this focus on inclusion at the same time where most people are more isolated than ever. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, part of it is making sure that that people talk about it, and so you know, hence why the main focus of our work is doing this work within organizations and with teams, because even to be able to create those conversations. Um, you know, of, of what is our mindset, not just because when we do it with teams, it's also what's my individual mindset and each person gets to take a, a look at that. But it also becomes a conversation of what's our collective mindset, because how this all ties in, by the way, is that whatever the dominant team mindset is, is another way of saying this is our team culture. Right, we might have a whole team that's stuck in, um, you know, a victim mindset or a mindset of, you know, like somehow this is, you know, again being done to us. You know, we're always the ones like on the receiving end of everybody else's stuff. If the whole team tends to operate that way, well, that's now your team culture as opposed to a team that, in fact, feels quite empowered, that's highly collaborative, etc. So. So this is why mindset really starts to matter because I like to think of it as what our mindset is for us individually, what it, you know, for teams, it's the, what is the collective mindset? And that's inevitably what, what our culture is. So it's also creating those conversations for, for these groups so that they can then start to focus on how do we as a team want to in fact start to shift our mindset, move up the levels, so to speak. So we're operating it at a higher level of mindset which ends up giving us very different results. I can see the importance of the leader of that team having, mm -hmm. a, you know, uh, the positive mindset. Yeah. Because <laughs> that would establish the tone uh, yeah. for the team. Yeah, it does, absolutely. I, I mean, it, it's always inevitably leaders go first, right? And, and they have to be role modeling it and living it. Otherwise, you know, like anything else, it's like, you know, slapping a value statement up on the wall, but nobody's actually living the values. So it's hard to take it seriously if, if, if you're not seeing it from your leader. What do you feel is really required um, from leaders in today's environments? Things have been changing very mm -hmm. rapidly and with the hybrid work environment and all those things uh, that Lori talked about what what skills and how how do leaders need to shift their mindset what can they be doing to develop themselves proactively to really affect their cultures in a positive way yeah and this one here's where i have well i've always had a lot of empathy for leaders and i mean you know i was a manager initially that's why i got really interested in, in leadership because i went wow this is really hard <laughs> this is you know not what i thought the job description was um like you know for most people that's that discovery but in you know the last couple of years i have extra empathy because with the pandemic in particular leaders i mean everyone's exhausted and leaders are also more exhausted than i've ever seen them before um because there's just so much for them to deal with whether it's the pandemic itself diversity and inclusion 
climate change, you know, like all like just all of these things. And now, of course, remote work or however things have shifted. So there's there's so much for them to have to sort through. Um, and hence why I think one of the key things for leaders is is there's some individual pieces for sure. But I think the biggest piece, quite honestly, is learning how to work together as leadership teams even more effectively because the world has gotten so complex and things are changing so fast all the time. I think it's just more than any one leader can really handle on their own. And hence the power of the collective becomes even more critical. And if, if you don't have that support like within your own leadership teams, whether that's at a senior level or middle management level, et cetera, if you don't have the power in that collective, I think it, it it's really going to add to people's stress levels, their overwhelm, and then and their burnout. So, I think that piece is really important, as, as well as you know the individual focus on where am I at in terms of of my mindset? Is it more vertical, or am I getting stuck in more horizontal? Um, especially under stress, because when we're under stress, we definitely tend to dip into that horizontal if we weren't already there. So it's, I think it's, again, both of those things is working on that individually, but also really fostering that collaboration and that type of mindset at a collective leadership level. Oh, we covered a lot in a very short time, Sasha. It is a <laughs> lot. Really, There's a lot yeah, going on. So, there is a lot. And it, it was very interesting. And I want to make sure that our audience has a chance to learn more about your work at Dynamic Achievement. And you have mentioned um, to me that you have a free culture of excellence scorecard on your website that people can fill out to yeah. get a sense of where their company's at. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, I mean, well, you've really highlighted it, right? So um, at dynamicachievement.com, right on the homepage and in a number of pages, you'll see it says culture of excellence scorecard. And it's it really takes about a minute or two at most. It's 10 questions. Um, that we ask whoever's you know filling it out to really get a you know evaluate where do you think your culture is at in these different dimensions, um, whether that's around purpose, you know level of of performance, resilience levels, that type of thing. And so and you just fill that out, uh, hit submit, and then we give you a call and it, it's a complimentary call just for thirty minutes where we can talk you through. Here's what we're seeing, like based on on what you've shared with us. We'll ask a few more questions um, and we can certainly offer some ideas or insights around if these are particular areas that that need improvement, here's what we would suggest. Um, and so it's just a way for people to even get a bit of a pulse check on where do I think my culture is at? Um, and more importantly, like where would I like my culture to be? Because the, it, again, like I said at the very beginning, it's not static. Your culture is going to keep changing whether you pay attention to it or not. So ideally, people are changing their cultures intentionally as opposed to by default. I, I just love that. I, I just have found this conversation so, so fascinating. And to even have that awareness that we, we all hold 14 different mindsets and it's at play within us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I did, that's not something I necessarily recognized or realized. So, um, and having that vertical mindset uh, to really drive that creation and growth. Yeah. Uh, your company is doing excellent, excellent work. I think we could chat all evening with you and I hope we get to <laughs> chat with you a bit more again in the future. But it's been just great to learn more about dynamic achievement and the, the work you're doing in organizations to shift to 
to a culture of excellence. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to talk about it. I, I do love what I do, so it makes it easy to talk about. Well, it really shows, Sasha, that you love your work, and we really appreciate you being our guest today. Oh, thanks so much for having me.